0: It's free. It's spendable, yet not returnable. It is a rewarder of both good and bad. It is equally available to all. It is not negotiable. It has a limit, but yet it is immeasurable. What is it? It's a little riddle time. What is it? Let me give you the next hint, and you might get it. We take it with us when we die. It lasts forever. Time. How many guessed it? Be honest. Nan got it. Good job, Nan. Should have spoke up. <laughs> I want to talk about time today. Time is something that we all have. And it can be used For us, or it can be used against us. Time can be a tool, or time can be a weapon. And I want to talk about how it can be a tool, or how it can be a weapon to you, personally. It doesn't make any difference who you are, how much money you have, where you live, what your status in life is, what race you are, what gender you are, what religion you are, whether you're married, single, Whatever, it does not make any difference. Time is a common element of life. We all have the exact same amount of time. It doesn't change based upon our social status. Time is something that we all have to spend. And depending on how we spend it determines everything about us. It determines who we are. It it determines what we are and what we are to become. And not only for the 80 plus years or so that we have in this life, but forever. What I do right now does make a difference forever. We don't think about that near enough. We lose that in our hustle and bustle of life. So what I really want to emphasize to you right now is how valuable that it is. Time is the most valuable thing we have. It's more valuable than money. You ask anybody on your deathbed, and they will always say, I wish I had more what? Time. They don't want money at that time. They don't want riches. They want time. It is the most valuable thing that we have. But yet, we don't treat it valuably. It runs through our fingers like sand and a beach. Time. The only time that it really becomes valuable to us is when it's almost over. And then all of a sudden we want more of it. Well, let me tell you a little secret right now. You can use time as a tool or it can become a weapon against you. And we need to think about that. We have. I want to talk about three different areas about time. Number one, God created it. Number two, we are accountable to it. And number three, it is ticking down and we're running out of it. God created it. We're accountable to it, and we're running out of it. God created time, yet he is not held captive to it. God created time before time existed. God was available before time was existed. He created time. He is the creator of that element, but yet God is not accountable to it. And when I talk about God, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about Jesus. And I'm talking about God the Father. I'm talking about the Trinity. They were all together at the creation of the world. In our image, they created man. So they were there. They created time. But yet they're not sub- subject-, subject to it. Revelations uh, 1 verse 8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God, who, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty Ruler of all. God is time, but yet He is not affected by it. And why is that important? It's important because we can depend upon His promises, because time never affects God. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He cannot, He will not, he cannot change, nor can His promises change. Therefore, it gives me great comfort as a changing element that I am, knowing that the God I serve never changes. We change. We change all the time. We are in a constant state of change. We've talked about this in the past, how much we as people change. And we will always be changing. Even when we get to heaven, we're going to be changing all the time. See, we think of heaven as a place where once we get there, we're going to be like God. Well, that's not true. We're going to be eternal like God. In fact, we're eternal right now. Whether you know it or not, you are already eternal. Your spirit is never going to die. Even though your body will transform from an earthly body to a spiritual body, your spirit, our, our soul, never dies. But yet, we will constantly be changing. And I, and I say that from the perspective of our mind. We will constantly be in a learning state in heaven. And I say that because otherwise, if the moment I got to heaven, I would be omniscient, like God is. But we'll never be omniscient. We will spend eternity trying to figure out God. We will spend forever understanding His character, understanding His grace understanding His mercy, understanding all the facets of God. It's going to take us forever to do that. How long is forever? A long time. And it's going to take us a long time to figure that out. So why do we often then get so bottled up in trying to figure God out today? In our finite minds. That's one of the biggest challenges that people have in in accepting God, is that they can't figure Him out. And because they can't figure him out, they think, well, he must not be real. If I can't prove it scientifically, we have a doctor in the house, and doctors know science is important. But yet, God will never figure God out scientifically. Now, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have uh, Lee Strobel give us a case for Christmas. And that's going to be very interesting and very good, so I hope that you come for that. That's going to be, I'm sorry, a case for Easter. Holidays, what's one or the other? Sorry, a case for Easter. <laughs> we wouldn't have Easter if it wasn't for Christmas, just so you know that. all right. So I'm not all wrong there. But Lee Strobel is going to give us a case for Easter, and he's going to take it from a scientific and medical perspective, and he's going to prove the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And that's really good, because there are some things we need to get our arms around, and that's, that's one of them, that he rose from the dead. We have to believe and we have to know that he rose from the dead. Otherwise, we really don't have much of a religion today. We don't have much of a faith. We have to know that Jesus rose from the dead. Otherwise, he's no different than Muhammad or Buddha or any other Eastern religions. Jesus rose from the dead. He wasn't asleep. He wasn't unconscious. He wasn't in a coma. He was dead. At three days dead. And he spent time in in, in Hades. He went down and he preached to the Hades people. He went down to those in Abraham's bosom and he brought those people up with him and he went to heaven. I'm getting into an Easter message. I better quit. So we're going to talk about that uh, then. But the other aspects of God, we don't have to worry about. Don't worry about all the other things you can't understand. Don't worry about the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't worry about that because you'll never grasp it all. Just by faith, through faith, receive it. And as you receive it, apply it in our life. Number two, time. We are accountable to it. Now, the reason I'm talking about this topic, it can't be very simple. Some people say, why do you talk about such a simple topic as time? But yet, it is something that is... Uh, Very important to us because I don't believe many of us are using it wisely. Good stewardship is not just money. Good stewardship is time management as well. My wife always yells at me because she says work smart, don't work hard. And sometimes I just work hard and not so smart. And that's not good because that will wear you down. Working smart is much smarter than just working hard. Because you can work hard and work yourself in circles. Whereas if you work smart, you can potentially get to the end goal much easier and much quicker. So understanding that time is important. We need to understand to use it as a tool and not waste it so that it becomes a weapon. Now, do you understand where I'm, t- where I'm coming from? If I use time as a tool, then I'm not getting manipulated by it. I am manipulating it, or I am using it. I am being smart in my, uh, as I use it. How can time be used as a weapon against us? Well, let me tell you. The enemy of our soul is roaming the earth looking for someone to devour. And that's me, and that's you. And one of the ways that he devours us is by wasting our time. He will take it, and he will, he will distract us, He will disturb us. He will discourage us. He will give us a sense of hopelessness. He will put us in a state of depression. He will do anything He can to take the most valuable commodity that I have and that you have, and that's time. And He will steal it from you so that you cannot use it as a tool for the kingdom of God. So there is going to come a time, the accountability aspect of it is that we need to protect it. We need to guard time. We need to cherish it because once it's gone, it's gone. Remember that Satan and his enemy is 180 degrees, which means exactly opposite of God. So if God wants me to use my time as a tool, the enemy wants me to waste it. Therefore, he will use it against me in the court of judgment because we will give an account of our time. And if I waste my time, that doesn't mean I'm a bad person necessarily. That doesn't mean that in that time I'm, I'm on, a, on a website uh, looking at pornography. Or that doesn't mean that I'm uh, doing things I shouldn't be doing at school or cheating on a test or, or not doing, using my time wisely at work. It doesn't mean that I'm sinning with my time. It just means that I'm not being productive with it because I'm not being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and listening how he should tell me to use my time. So this is a very effective message to Christians because we are as guilty of it as the sinner. We waste it. We let it slip by way too often and way too, way too easily. So it's not just that the enemy is against us, even though we know that he is. We know that he is out to destroy us, and we know that he will take the time and use it for evil. But yet, even Christians can waste our time. Even those that are washed in the blood of Christ, which most of us here are today, even we can uh, let our flesh overtake and, and distract the spirit. How do you do that? I'm not putting a guilt trip on you here today, I'm really not. But I'm just trying to open up our eyes. How many times, how much time do we waste watching TV? How much time do we waste reading crappy books, bad books, sorry, books that aren't of value? How much time do we do we do we waste? And the reason I, I'm not putting it, I'm not putting any guilt trip here because I understand that sometimes we need downtime. We do. In fact, it's it's the sixth commandment. In Exodus, it tells us, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall do no work. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Do you think God was tired? Do you think God was whipped after he spoke? These things into existence? No, he didn't. He wasn't tired. But he, he did it for our example. He did it for us that we would then take that as a role model and take that as an example for us because we do get tired. And we can get burnt out. And we can overexert ourselves. And we can work hard sometimes rather than smart. And so we do need to take a time of, of rest and a time of Sabbath. So I'm not putting anybody in a guilt trip as you want to sit and watch TV. I'm not trying to tell you that. I'm just trying to say let's be smart with our time and let's recognize that we are the master of our time and how we choose to use it determines who we are. We talked about choice a little bit in Sunday school. Chris did a really good job with Sunday school this morning. Nice job, Chris. You're the permanent teacher from now on. I want you to know that. You know that's the problem. When you do a good job, you get stuck with it. So anyway, he it was uh, it was a nice job, and you, we talked about choices and and how important our choices are, because I can choose to be a good steward of my time, or I can choose to be a waster of my time. We talked about a judgment day. Romans ten, I'm sorry, Romans fourteen. For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. What does it mean when we say each of us will give an account of himself for God? What does the word account mean? It means we will give a rendering of who we are. And who are we? We're determined by what we do. And what do we do? We choose. I mean, it's, it's, there's nobody that can take the blame for us here. We can't get there and say, well, I did that because Joe you know, tell, told me to do it, or I was led down the wrong path by Billy, or you know, Sarah asked me to do something bad. That, that doesn't cut it with God. He's not, that's part of that non-negotiable stuff that time brings. We can never negotiate our way. If you, have you ever thought about what you're going to say when you're in judgment day? I challenge you to. Think about it. What kind of book report are you going to give on your life? What kind of a book report am I going to give on my life? It's a good challenge to think about because as you think about that, it might help you think about how am I going to use my time today? What am I going to do with my time today? I have 24 hours. What am I going to do with my free time? Our mission statement says, Heavenly Effective, Through earthly relevance, this is a really good reminder that time stewardship is a very wise investment on our part. Heavenly effective through earthly relevance, that's our mission. It's all about time. That is a whole mission statement about time, because if I want to be effective heavenly, which really is time, then I need to be earthly relevant, which means Time It means that I have to be here and spending the time to do the things that are necessary so that I can be relevant to this world and that I can be effective in the next world forever and ever and ever. Jesus talked about um, parables, and he talked about the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Now, this situation, he's talking about talents. Talent is a form of money, but isn't it interesting how talent is also something that we're gifted with? Our talent, our singing talent, our uh, administrative talent, or whatever. So this parable goes either way. In this, in this parable, Jesus gave um, three men. He gave one man five talents, one man two talents, and one man one talent. And then he went away. This isn't Jesus the, the servant, the master did this. And the master went away And for a period of time. When he came back, he wanted to see what the servants did with the talents that he gave them. Well, we all know the story. The the man man with five, he doubled it. The man with two, he doubled it. The man with one, buried it. Now what's interesting about this parable is that he didn't lose it. He didn't squander it. He didn't go out and spend it on booze or drugs or alcohol or sex. He He didn't take that one talent that he had and waste it. He simply buried it. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Is there anything wrong with that? Are you burying your talent? Are you wasting what God has given you? I'm not talking about being evil. I'm not talking about sinning. I'm talking about are you multiplying your talents? Because when the master came back and he said, Well, what did you do with it? He took the five that went to ten. He says, Good job. Enter into your father's kingdom. Well done, good and faithful servant. The one with two that went to four. See, here's the issue. The guy that had two only had two. But he doubled what he had. He wasn't. He didn't have as much as the guy had five. But yet he got the same reward as the guy that had five. He only had two, but he doubled it. And what did the master say? Same thing. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come into, into your father's house. You know what? And if the man with one... If he would have brought back two, he would have gotten the same reward as the man that had five. But what happened? He buried it. He wasted it. He didn't lose it. He just wasted it. So he came back and said, here's your talent. I, didn't, I, I knew you were a, a, a hard master. I knew where that you reaped where you didn't sow. I knew where you got all this stuff, Mr. Master. And I was afraid of that. And I was afraid I was going to lose it, so I buried it. Thinking that you would be happy if I just gave you your original talent back. Did that make the master happy? No, it didn't, because that's because the master knew that the man was worth more than that. Same thing with our life. The Lord give gave us all skills. Skills, I love that word. Skills, and He gave us talents, and He gave us and He gave us attributes, and He gave us abilities. And he didn't give them to us so that we could bury them. He gave us them so that we could multiply our talent. And we could go out into the world, out into the marketplace, and out into the place that we touch shoulders with people every day on a job site, in a school. And that we could let our fruit nourish them. You know, it's an interesting thing about fruit. Fruit on a tree does two things number 1 it identifies the tree it tells the tree that it's an apple tree cuz you know I, I i don't always know what a tree is until i look at the fruit so that's one thing it identifies the tree second thing that it does is that it brings nourishment it does nourishment to two things to the seed and that fruit because as that fruit falls in the ground and that that fruit then nourishes the seed and the seed multiplies into more trees But it also nourishes the animals that eat that fruit. And it nourishes me when I eat that apple. So now if I bear fruit in my spirit, and the fruit of the spirit, if I bear that good fruit, people that are rubbing shoulders with me are knocking my fruit off. And they pick up, and they pick up that apple. And they say, oh, good fruit. Good peace, good patience, good gentleness, good self-control. All the fruit of the spirit. See, it's not just for my benefit. It's for their benefit because they're nourishing off my fruit. So that is choosing then, and that is allowing then, for my um, talents to be multiplied. And then when I give my talent back, because I've let that fruit multiply, let that fruit nourish, I'm bringing back two-fold, three-fold, four-fold, five-fold back. You know what that's called? Heavenly rewards. That is called heavenly effective. That is called well done, thou good and faithful. When you get to heaven, when you see Jesus and you have brought your fruit, he's going to say, wow, I never thought you could have done that good with that one little talent I gave you. That's what life is. It's not hard. It's not hard. We make it so difficult and so complicated. All we're doing is being accountable to the one talent that I have. What happened in this parable was that the master took the one talent from the one man and he gave it to the man that had ten. And then he said, he cast that man, the one man, the talent, the the one that he didn't multiply his talent, what did he do with that man? He cast him in utter darkness, whether it be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Sounds like a hard rule, doesn't it? But you know what? We serve a just God. Part of God that is never changing, it is the rules never change. His rules don't change. So right now you know, I'm telling you right now, you know the rules. They're not going to change over time. You know the rules. It may sound like a hard word I'm preaching today or I'm teaching today, but I'm just trying to encourage you with get on board. You know the rules are not going to change. So you change. You change your use of your time, I'll change my use of my time, and let's be effective, let's grow this church, let's let's, let's change Charlevoix. Let's change your workplace, let's change our schools, let's change our marketplace because we're effective in it, because we're going to be held accountable to it. And so let's take it effectively and let's go after it. Number three, time is ticking down and we're running out of it. One thing time does, it keeps moving. It never stops for anyone. It is a respecter of no one, and it is in constant motion. Why is it important to talk about it? Because yesterday is gone. Yesterday is gone. This sounds like a song, doesn't it? Yesterday's gone. Yesterday's gone. Okay, you've got to stand up for this. Come on, let's go. Come on, Chris. Turn up, Blair. This is rock. Come on, we gotta have we gotta have it loud. To you. It's, I know I have to read the words. For some generation, they picked right up on it, but I had to read the words, too. It says, If you wake up and don't want to smile, if it takes just a little while, open your eyes and look at the day. You'll see things in a different way. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Don't stop. It'll soon be here. It'll be better than before. Yesterday's gone. Yesterday's gone. Why not think about times to come and not about the things that you've done If your life was bad to you, just think what tomorrow will do. And then it says, don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. All I want is to see you smile if it takes just a little while. I know you don't believe that it's true. I never meant any harm to you. Don't you look back. Don't you look back. You know, this was a song by Fleetwood Mac in the 70s. But you know what? Even though they didn't realize it, They got it. (laughs) That's a good song. If you listen to the words and understand it and put it in a Christian vernacular, they're right on. It'll soon be here. Tomorrow will soon be here. Don't worry about yesterday. Yesterday's gone. Yesterday's gone. It's exactly right. It's gone. And it's not to be a problem to you anymore if you've done the right things. Now, it talks about tomorrow being a better day. It is if you will use time as a tool. It will be better for you tomorrow. See, the conditions of of Christianity are really true. Not that we're trying to make it hard and not that we're trying to make it um, undoable, but it is conditional. The time use is conditional. If we want to be effective in eternity, then we need to use our time wisely today and we need to let yesterday be gone and tomorrow will be better but we need to understand that the reason that our tomorrow will be better than yesterday is if we surrender our life to Christ today. They didn't get that part, <laughs> but they got the overall just of it. But we, as we put the Christ-centered part in it, all of a sudden it becomes a really good, powerful time, uh, a song that uses tool, a time as a tool for our future. There's two things to consider when we realize that days pass one at a time. One thing is is that the, co- the consequences of your choices of that day will be ongoing. They will never stop. The consequences of your choices remain. That can be hard. Because if I make a bad choice, that consequence, even though I may be forgiven for my choice, the consequence may linger on forever. I mean, think of, think of one example. Well, there's so many examples. I, 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 I don't, I mean, th- th- here's, just think of one. Think of one that is uh, a baby out of wedlock, for example. Baby lives forever. Now, that doesn't mean that baby can't be loved by God. Absolutely, that could have been right. But you know what? The consequence there of that, of that mother, that single mother, She's for, she can be forgiven. She can be restored. God can heal. God can do all of the great things. But the consequence is still there. All right. So the consequences are always going to linger no matter what happens with that time. And here's one other thing to consider as time moves on, and that is that every day that is over is one day closer to your end. Time is ticking by, and we're running out of it. If we're running out of it, from the perspective of that you can use it as a tool. We're always, when I say we're running out of it, we're not going to die spiritually, but our effectiveness is going to end, or our ability to be effective and use it as a tool is going to end, and then we're going to be given account for it. So that's what I'm talking about. About It's ticking it by. Every day that I let go by, if I don't do something of value spiritually or, or, or uh, heavenly, then I'm wasting it and it will eventually become a weapon used against me versus a tool. In conclusion, Matthew 2436 to44 tells us that fact and it talks about the rapture coming. and it talks it says that no one knows the day or the hour. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And it will be as it was in the days of Noah. It will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken and the other left. Or does that get you a little excited? It'll make you nervous if you're not living right. It better make you nervous if you're not living right. Because we don't know when that day is going to come or that hour. And it it may not be the rapture. And I don't want to be insensitive to um, those that we just recently died. But it could be a death could be a death. That would be your personal rapture, by the way. So when you think about time and you think about how you're spending it, how you're using it, are you effective with it? Or are you wasting it? If Jackie would come to the piano, please. You know, um, as I read that scripture... And I ask that question about, are you nervous? That will tell you right then and there where you're at. We really don't need to talk anymore about it. If you're nervous, then you need to get your heart right with God. Let's just call it for what it is, people. We don't have time to play games. There's that word again, time. We don't have time to play games. If it made you nervous, then you need to get your heart right with God. And right now is the time to do that. If that made you excited, then you're right on. If that gave you a little, if that gave you a little, a little boost in your step. I remember a time when it used to make me nervous. When I was younger, oh, it used to make me nervous. I didn't like to read that. I didn't like to read that verse in the twinkling of an eye. I always thought that I would have time because I would hear the horn blow. I would hear that trumpet blow, and I would have just enough time to say, "Forgive me." But you know what? It's a twinkling of an eye, and you don't know when it comes. So if it makes you nervous, then for your benefit today, I want to have an altar call today for you. And you may have given your heart to Christ one time, but if it still makes you flutter in your stomach, then something's not right. So let's make it right today. Let's let's play the song and let's just you know what? We're a family here. There's no reason for anybody to be nervous about this or embarrassed. But you know what? For your benefit, I want to, I want to you to understand how much we love you and want to call out to you and say, you know what? If you need Christ, if you need to get that nervousness into a flutter of excitement, let's do it right now. If you close your eyes, please? Father, I just come now and I ask for your gentle Holy Spirit to come, the gentle Holy Spirit that would give us that, drawing in our spirit that is what brings that nervous twitch it's not my flesh because my flesh will rise up in rebellion against it in fact my flesh is saying ignore it ignore it ignore it but the Holy Spirit is saying no you better listen to it if you're nervous take care of it right now it doesn't mean that you have to be embarrassed about it it means everybody comes to Christ this way everybody comes to Christ this way so if you're struggling right now in your spirit and if you feel that little nervousness in your gut, raise your hand, acknowledge it to the Lord, acknowledge it to Jesus. I see that hand. Hallelujah. Lord, I know we have a bunch of. I know I preach to the choir here for the most of us and that's okay, but we can all we can all use the reminders. We can all use it. It can all be something that you can get a little better at. Let's sing a song. Let's sing that last song.